Happiness is a really tricky thing. It starts with being a tricky question. What is happiness? What is it we're chasing? What is it we want? What does happiness feel like? And if happiness isn't a destination, but it's a journey, what can we do to move ourselves along the happiness highway? Today on the Weekly Walk podcast, Eric and I share our thoughts on what happiness is and some of the things that we do to inspire our own happiness. So if you're looking for more joy, if you're looking for more happiness, since one of those things is getting outside in nature and moving your body, lace up your sneakers and let's get going. Hey, Eric. Hey, Joyce. Are you happy? I'm happy as a clam. Our clam, you know, where in the world did that expression come from? Uh, they like live under the ocean. They have like these gross feet and then people eat them. And I, yeah, why are clams happy? Where in the world did that expression even come from? We'll have to look that up. But I am. So happy. you're as happy as a clam. So I... not so happy. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I guess I'm I guess clams are happy. If clams are happy then I'm happy. Are you happy? Cause, yes, cuz happy clams make a happy Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so, are there things that you do to stay happy? Yes. <laughs> I live my life with you. Aw, you're so cute. <laughs> well, I mean that's the thing. Happiness is is not a state. Happiness is a process. That's what I've learned. Oh, that's really, it's not a destination either. Right. It's not a destination. It's not a state. It's a process and a practice, I guess. I think so too. And I think we've sort of, uh, I don't know, been taught that happiness is that this state that we can aspire to, we can get there, and then we can hang out under the rainbow, <laughs> happy and dancing all the time. Right. Once once you're there, you're you're there forever, right? Exactly. Wrong. <laughs> and there's something else. You know, my kick of the year uh, is two things can be true. So I think you can be happy and sad at the same time. Hmm. Really? Can yes. you give me an example? Yeah, I mean, uh, let's say you're walking through a season of grief. There are still times during that period where you can take joy in the experiences you had with your loved one. You can still feel happy about something else going on, and yet the grief is still present. So I think two things can be true. I think you can even be happy and blue at the same time. You know, there's like that happy melancholy feeling. Mm. Almost more of a contentment. Is that sort of what that is? Or that's even different? Like happiness is so almost ephemeral or hard to describe. I think that there's that too. I think happiness is different for everybody. So all of this research, and there is a lot of research on happiness it's so interesting because it always seems to kind of start with an effort by the researchers to try to define happiness, which I don't think they've done a compelling job of. So I guess happiness is, undefi is undefinable and unquantifiable and elusive and a journey, not a destination. So I think happiness is an 
just an illusion. And it's there's all, no such thing as happiness. <laughs> it's also personal because what is happiness for me may not be happiness for you. Well, it, that's a big question. So certainly what makes one person happy is going to be different than what makes another person happy. But is happiness different? Mm. Or is happiness uh, something that we can define more universally? I'm sort of coming out on maybe we can't. Or maybe we can. Maybe it's like what the Supreme Court said about pornography. I can't define it, but I know it when I feel it. Well, I think that is absolutely true. I think, well, I was going to say a lot, you know, everybody knows it when they feel it, but not always. Some people may not actually realize, like, this is their happy place. <laughs> you could be in your happy place and not even realize it. Well, if you're happy, but you don't think you're happy, are you actually happy? Does happy... Or if you think you're happy, but you're not actually happy, are you happy? Or if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> so about a million years ago, and honestly, it feels like a million years ago, I went to a therapist and I remember she said to me, and this is, gosh, this has always stayed with me. She said to me, I don't think you're as happy as you think you are. And first of all, what kind of th thing is that to say to a person? And second of all, if you think you're happy, aren't you happy? That doesn't sound like a therapist. It sounds like a salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be much happier if you, yeah. behind the wheel of this for, new car. For one low price of $200 a session, twice a week for the next five years, you could be really, really happy. That was a good, bad salesperson voice. Wasn't it? Lots so of practice. before we get into some ideas we have on how to foster and grow your happiness practice, do we need to reach an agreement on what happiness is? Or are we just going to sort of stick to, if you think you're happy, that's good enough for us? I think if you think you're happy, it's it's good enough for us. And I think maybe it also requires just a second to touch on sort of the difference between happiness and pleasure and, you know, sort of the, the short-term jolt of happiness versus versus a short-term, yeah, pleasing stimulus such as... Um, Don't talk about chocolate because chocolate <laughs> makes me happy. I was going to talk about cinnamon buns. <laughs> <laughs> So we hosted a brunch on Sunday. Uh, we have a new a new little hobby. Eric and I are playing pickleball together on Sundays with a group of our friends. It's super, super fun. And we hosted a post-pickleball brunch that included warm cinnamon buns. Yeah, so that's definitely more pleasure than happiness. So we'll just sort of leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so on. So this is sort of like spaghetti love. So from here on... Cinnamon bun happiness will be used to refer to that short-term instant pleasure that after it, you feel kind of, Correct. And the other end of the spectrum is just that feeling of all is right in the world. Whatever you're struggling to accomplish is going in the right direction. No way. No so what's happiness? I don't know. But listen, if I had to wait until all is right in the world to experience happiness, 
there would be no happiness and no joy ever. All oh. is not <laughs> right in the world. Uh, contentment? I don't know. All right. Well, you know your happiness feeling when you feel it. Let Can we leave it at that? Leave it at that. So, all right. How do we get to our respective happiness feeling places? You ready? Yeah. I have the penultimate answer. Okay. Walking. <laughs> Is that too pat and too simple? Well, I mean, we, you know, obviously we've done numerous podcasts around it, but the value and benefit of walking, of moving, of any kind of exercise, of course, we like walking for all the reasons we discuss, but I honestly believe that it would be very, 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 very difficult to achieve to be on the path and in the process of happiness without some kind of physical element, whether that's... Oh, my God. Talk about putting your own judgment on the whole entire world. Well, think about it. I mean, because if you have no physical outlet, if you have no exercise, I mean, and all the... Research in the world and all of that is, what is it, 30 minutes, five times a week of moderate activity. That, is, that, that research, yeah. which is surprisingly solid research since it's so oft cited and government promulgated, uh, is actually pretty solid research. But that research goes to health. That okay. research goes not to happiness. Okay. And... I think it's much. E- you are so far down a rabbit hole. You're never so, digging. You're never digging yourself out of this because I, I think if you have health issues, you're going to have more problems. You're gonna. It's going to be harder. Okay. I, I don't even. I literally don't even know where to go with this. So let me start with the fact that even though that is a prescription for better health outcomes, that is not to say that. Nobody who gets that level of exercise is healthy. It's just not so. There are millions of healthy people out there who are healthy on all of the metrics, you know, measuring their blood, measuring their heart, all the things, who don't get that level of exercise. Because you do know they what? Get some? Do they? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Okay. I mean, it's a spectrum. There are people who get no exercise. There are people like you who get way more than that. Okay. Um, but I don't. I don't think you can go as far as you sort of are going. That if you don't exercise, you can't be happy, which is kind of what you said. Yeah. When you put it that way, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do exercise, there will be greater likelihood that you are happy. Absolutely. Okay. I'll. I'll. I'll go with that for sure. Uh, and it goes to what we say all the time, which is walking counts. The exercise needed to boost your happy hormones, your serotonin levels, your dopamine, reduce your stress, all of those kinds of benefits can come from a variety of physical activity, including walking. But walking gives you a second opportunity to become happier. Do you know what that is? What's that? Finding awe on your walks. You've you found some awe lately in, in some new places that you've been walking on your usual walk, like the top of that sand dune. 
top of that rock. sand dune. And even like just Ugh. the sand dune in that creeps into the woods. Like that's kind of awesome, even on a smaller scale. How did that even happen? That's crazy. But yeah, and then the views from the top of that big bluff overlooking the bay. That's pretty awesome. So awe is an emotion that people experience when they connect with something larger than themselves, something that makes them simultaneously feel like they're part of a larger universe and at the same time makes them feel sort of smaller. And that's the awe paradox. And so much research teaches that feelings of awe translate to better moods and more happiness. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting that we tend to choose to put ourselves in environments that inspire awe. Like we You mean you and I? You and I, yeah. We were fortunate enough to to live near the ocean and we went and took a walk on the beach and it was sort of cold and sort of windy, but it was still just the ocean is just awe-inspiring. And just to be clear, it was not sort of cold and sort of windy. It was really <laughs> yeah, cold yeah. and crazy windy. And you went barefoot anyway. I was like, wow. But yeah. it is interesting to think the ocean, for me, inspires awe all the time. So sometimes one of the things that helps you experience awe is uh, unique things, seeing unique things, like I'm a little bit consumed with my desire to see the northern lights and all of their majesty. And I know that would be an awe-inspiring moment for me. But the ocean, the whales, when we see whales jumping, that's awe right there. Well, we had a moment of awe just the other day. We so, did. Yeah. So uh, we like to go skiing as part of our hobby. And one of the things that I find always awe-inspiring is on those bluebird days, the blue, deep blue of the sky in the mountains. And I often like the way, like you can see the sky through the aspen trees with no leaves in the winter. And that just sort of contrast is awe-inspiring. And we were just walking through our neighborhood the other day, and it was one of those crystal clear days. And we looked up through our oak trees, whatever trees are surrounding our walk, and got that same sense of awe a quarter mile from the house. And that is the point. Awe can be found in the smallest things, the biggest things, and around your neighborhood you just have to look for it. So one of the ways to boost your happiness, find the awe. And that sort of goes right into another way, or maybe even the other way goes into finding your awe, which is spending time outside. Can you find awe inside? I don't know that I... Maybe in a beautiful... You ready? Yeah. Here's a, an opportunity for indoor awe. I've got two. Okay. Okay. Let me see if one of them is the same one I'm thinking of. A crackling fireplace. Mm-hmm. Was that one of yours? Nope. And a baby. Aw. Babies are are totally awe-inspiring, especially like when they're just waking up. Not crying waking up, you know, like they're just, and their little feet are moving and their little hands are moving. Babies can be awe-inspiring. Neither of those were yours. Nope. <laughs> Not even close. I was actually going in the complete opposite direction 
which is looking through a microscope can be awe-inspiring. Oh, that's interesting. When you, like, take a drop of pond water and you put it under a microscope and you see, what is it, what are they, diatoms? And these little, you know, four-cell creatures, whatever, whatever you see in there, and they're, like, wiggling around, and you'd think this innocuous drop of water is just nothing. But then you look in there, and there's algae and plankton, and it, I find that awe-inspiring as well. Absolutely. Okay. So as much as my inclination is to say that awe is more often found outdoors, awe can be found indoors. Nevertheless, being outside tends to make people happier. Yeah. the We've talked about this before. The nature bathing. Is that the Shinrin-yoku? Is that what they call nature bathing? Uh, I'm not Japanese? sure you have that pronunciation exactly right, but yes. That rough that, pronunciation. <laughs> that, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, there are physicians out there who are literally prescribing time spent in nature for all of the mood-boosting benefits. And again, I've talked about this, but I, I've taken to spending a little time on our front porch. Fortunate that it faces east and I um, get some rising sun exposure to set my clock. But uh, I hear birds. I see birds. There was a wild turkey the other day, and that experience with nature every morning, I think, is is great. You think it's mood-boosting for you? I do. Interesting. I do. And usually, now, uh, Moose, our dog, comes out with me, so I will just sit there and pet Moose for like five minutes straight. He loves it. But then I also get all the happy hormones that come from petting a dog. <laughs> so, uh, just to be clear... Uh, there are literally happy hormones that come from petting a dog. Pet your dog, get happier. That's what I just said. Yep. <laughs> I wanted to put a point on it because it, sound, it sort of sounded like, you know, got the ha got whatever from petting the dog. Like, that's a real thing. That's not just, like, something you made up. It's win-win. It's win. <laughs> he thinks so. <laughs> he thinks it's just win, but <laughs> it is win-win. All right. What's in another tip on our happiness process and journey. I actually hate this one. Oh, should um, I cover my throat? No, <laughs> no. I think I might have even put it on the list. And I hate it because it feels artificial to me. Uh, and I have read the research that shows, that really proves that it's true. It just doesn't feel like it should be. And that is the smile research. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Can you sing Smile Though Your Heart Is Breaking? No. Please. <laughs> no. Isn't that the song, though? Uh, that's a song. <laughs> right. I mean, there is a song, right? Smile Though Your Heart Is Breaking. Well, isn't that um, your ringtone is the Uncle Cracker Smile song on my phone whenever whenever you call? That's the that's your 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 ringtone. Well, I don't really know that because I'm never there when it rings. Well, you so, were that one time. I know. Remember? I was so confused. But it's not smile, though your heart is. Now, you just put those two things together. So now it sounds like my ringtone, when I call you, the <laughs> ringtone is smile, though your heart is breaking. No, it's, it's the smile <laughs> song by Uncle Cracker. It's a totally different song. Thank you. <laughs> um, so this idea of smiling in an inauthentic way, smiling even though you don't feel like smiling and somehow that boosts your mood 
the research seems to support that, but I don't know. It just feels like we're going out to people and say, just pretend you're happy and everything will be okay. It's a little um, Truman Show for me. Well, it's the whole mind-body connection. And even saying that is sort of paradoxical. There's the assumption that the mind and the body are separate. And the, all the research is moving in the direction that it's just there's no mind-body connection. It's just one cohesive unit and feedback loops. So when you do smile, even if it's forced, your brain, your system thinks, oh, must be happy because it's got the smile muscles activating. And it it does actually work. It helps that whole system, uh, your whole system, be happier. I do have some trouble with this, but I, I think we'd be remiss in not sharing exactly what you just talked about and the research that shows that. Uh, I just, gosh, I just want to put it in a caveat of, is it possible to say, smile though your heart is breaking with in a way that's not at the same time saying, pretend everything's great, even though it's not. Well, I don't think it's a panacea. And I don't think if, you know, you get some type of tragic news or you're in a very difficult situation that it's going to make a difference. But if you find yourself in sort of an afternoon slump, maybe you're a little grumpy, you don't actually know why, that this is one small step or technique or tactic that you can use to just try to turn the afternoon around. I think that's a really important point to make. I, with all of the focus from so many people and so many podcasts and so much research on be happy, 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 how do we get happy, be happier, there are a lot of people wrestling with a lot of really hard things. And to the extent that happiness eludes people for a season, for a year, for a life, I think we kind of need to honor that and say, like, none, if you are, like, clinically depressed, none of this is going to fix that. So we are sort of talking about the quest for happiness more as that journey idea, more as that day-to-day, -day, more as that turning around a grumpy day. Yeah, as well as you know, <laughs> turning around a grumpy month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, okay, you made the decision. You're, you're not under medical supervision for any of this necessarily, but you've made the decision that you want to just improve your, your baseline happiness. These are some things that you can just take up as a practice that are going to make those small differences that add up. So here is the next one on the list, which is a practice. And, oh, so much talk about this as well. Gratitude practice. Uh, th that's that's the one where you said, if I said that one more time, you were going to punch me in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's just become such a, I hate to say, like a shallow cliche. Just be grateful. That's what that's what makes me, you know, want to punch someone. When somebody looks at me and says, just be grateful, I'm like, I, can I be grateful and still miserable? Can those <laughs> two things be true? But, sure. But gratitude matters. 
And it's like the quote from that guy's TED Talk. It's not that happy people are grateful. It's that grateful people are happy. So, again, it, not a panacea, but when you are grateful for all the things that you have and you can take it down to hot water that comes out of your faucet when you turn a knob. And oh, be, I'm, so, and I'm be so grateful for that. Grateful for that. When you turn on the shower and hot water sprays your body, be grateful because how many people on earth don't get that? I mean, I remember when I was a kid in, in college, like we stayed in a hostel somewhere in some European country. I don't even remember where. And they did not have hot water. <laughs> you had to go to like a bathroom down the hall from your room. And if you wanted a shower, you were going to take a cold shower. And I and it actually cost extra. And I remember like turning on the shower. It was freezing and saying, nope, and going back to my room. I guess I must not have been that stinky. And the the old woman who ran the hostel came and she wanted to charge me like the $3 for the shower. And she like dragged me into the bathroom and touched the bathtub and like it was wet. And I did like in my incredibly bad French try to communicate that, yeah, I didn't actually shower because it was so friggin' cold. <laughs> and your point? Um, be grateful for a hot shower. <laughs> be grateful for a hot shower. I, I had to dig deep to find that <laughs> point because I went way off on a tangent. But yeah, gratitude. So a couple of different ways to build more gratitude into your life. And there's a reason they call it a gratitude practice. You can do it every day. You can do it in the morning. You can do it in the night. You can set your alarm to go off at 11.11 every morning and just take a moment to look around you and find something to be grateful for. You can do one of the things that I do, which it's not exactly a gratitude practice, but it's a what went well practice. So every Sunday, I identify five things from the previous week that went well in my life. What went well? What went well? I did a gratitude practice through the pandemic. I sort of let it go maybe a year, year and a half ago. But I went probably a good year every night writing down one thing that I was grateful for. And it went from, from you to the kids to my family, mother, sister, brother, all that stuff. But it, it went to the little things as well. Hot water. I mean, even like the flea collar on our dog. Like I was grateful for So grateful for the flea and tick collar. So the, the little things. And that was a challenging time. And I, I think it did help me get through that in a better state of mind. We're, as always, running out of time. So I think the last major thing that I really want to be sure we talk about is the value of other people to our happiness. And we could do an entire podcast on this because it's everything from honoring those relationships, creating those relationships, maintaining those relationships, pruning those relationships, mm. and all the things around them. But the super short version is connecting with others makes us happier. And that goes even for the introverts out there. You know, people, I, I was talking with Helen about this very thing on our walk yesterday, because of course, 
talk about everything on your walks. And we were talking about introverts versus extroverts and the need for connection and the need for quiet and the need for small groups and all the things. Yeah. <laughs> and and we've discussed this as well and whether it's it's friends, but even those small connections, I was thinking, you know, <laughs> so I go to our local coffee shop, which shall not be named, and I drink mostly decaf because it's a little later. And sometimes their decaf is what I would call half-calf. And sometimes it's not even particularly good. But I go there all the time, and, and you're like, why do you keep going there? And the reason is, like, I have... Uh, community's too strong a word, but I know the owner. I know the, the barista. Main, main barista. And I sort of enjoy popping in and saying hi, and they know what I like, and they know I put skim milk in it and not regular, and they apologize when they don't have skim milk, <laughs> which is probably one out of every ten times, which is another reason why Joyce asks me why I go there. And I try not to get annoyed now when they don't have skim milk because I sort of expect it. But I have that little connection and interaction. So even those type of relationships have been shown through research to make people happier. Absolutely. Those uh, in seemingly inconsequential moments. Uh, and some of the research comes out of the pandemic when we just didn't have those kinds of connections uh, and seeing other people's facial expressions. So somebody's smiling at you is likely to make you happier. And you smiling at another person can make both you and them happier. Which also goes sort of to the other thought on this, is with these connections and when you do forge them, try to forge them with positive people. Yeah. If you can connect with people who are happier, less likely to complain about their situations, you're likely to be happier. Well, I'll put a caveat on that. Some people, again, it's not about being perfect or presenting this non-complaining. We all have things to complain about. We all have challenges in our life. And in true friendships, you can bring those challenges. So when you say surround yourself by people who don't complain, that's a little bit more nuanced than that. Absolutely. But there are certain <laughs> people who will actually find their happiness in trying to bring you down or being a downer or whatever. Totally. And those there are, are like people, people the people who feed on that or feed on drama. Limit that, please. Limit that. That goes to what I was saying about these relationships because that requires pruning of relationships. Tricky, tricky stuff. So the journey to the happier, the practice, the journey. A lot of different things. Find them, try them, keep trying them. You're going to fall out of practice, pick them up again, and just do as many of these as, as you feel comfortable, as you can, as time, as situation allows. And remember, it's a journey, not a destination. One of our favorite things is to hear from you all, the members of the 99 Walks Pack and the Jetty Crew. We want your feedback your questions, your ideas. We want to know what we say that resonates and what we say and share that doesn't. So if you have a minute, give us a call and leave us a message or ask us a question. 
Number is so simple, we are reachable at 866-99-WALKS, extension 3. 866-999-2557, extension 3. We would love to hear from you.